Welcome to another week. It is Monday, May 15th. Steinberg along with you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio as we welcome you to a Monday edition of the Sports Drive. This hour is the Sports Drive brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Make patio setup easier for your staff with a key to alike system. Just one key to lock all your padlocks and doors. Visit CalgaryLockAndSafe.com. Hopefully you had a wonderful weekend. Calgary Wranglers tie their series with Coachella Valley on Friday night. So now it is a best of three heading back to Palm Springs for Monday's game three. And here we are. Another week in what has been a very long offseason already, and it's only going to get longer. It's only May, for heaven's sake. And this thing feels like it's got um, many more months to go. Oh, because funny enough, it has many more months to go. And for context, when you talk about um, when you talk about where we are in this offseason, more than a month into Calgary's regular season, or season in this case, coming to an end. For context, one year ago today, May 15th, 2022, was the night Johnny Gaudreau beat Jake Ottinger with about five minutes to go in overtime to win Game 7 against Dallas. Wrap your head around that. One year ago, at this exact same time, was a Sunday As we're talking right now, we would have been getting set for Game 7 between Calgary and Dallas, a game that the Flames would eventually go on to win. And here we are a year later, and we're already a month into the offseason. Now, part of that is because last season was way longer from a uh, overall time-lapse standpoint than many others were. It started later, plus there was an Olympic break in there, and that Olympic break, because of the COVID situation the Flames had last year, didn't end up being a break. They had their COVID break a few weeks prior. So it was just it, it, the, the season took longer to play last year, which is why round one for the Flames ended on May 15th. But I digress, because here we are this year, and the second round is almost over. So I get it that it's not an apples-to-apples comparison, but... My point is, last year's offseason felt like it went by in the blink of an eye. From Game 5 against Edmonton to all of what would come next. You had Green Garbage Bag Day and Locker Cleanout Day last year where Johnny and Matthew both said they'd love to come back. And then you had the draft and we still didn't know what was happening there. You had July 13th, I think, was free agency last year. Bye-bye, Johnny. A week later, bye-bye Matthew and Nazem Kadri, Huberto signing, all of what went into last offseason. He had the Manjapani contract, the Shillington contract, some really good extension work done, and uh, it really did go by in the blink of an eye. We had nothing but news. You were always reacting to something, and it didn't take that long because the season came to an end at the end of May. This year, it ended in the middle of April, 
and there's still a long ways to go. Now, that doesn't mean there's not a lot to react to. We still have two big hires that we need to react to when it comes to the Flames, and there's going to be some player movement, maybe some of it significant. Who knows how things go with some of the players that we are uh, keeping an eye on. But I just wanted to throw that up there for context. It's the one-year anniversary of Johnny Gaudreau winning Game 7. Steinberg with you. Text line open, 960-960, if you want to react to anything on Flames Talk this hour if you're listening live. So where do things stand as of right now? Let's start with the GM search because we told you last week that things are well into the interview side of things and that the team was moving towards or starting the process of taking all the people they've interviewed and whittling that down to a short list. Uh, I've heard they've spoken to way more people than the names that have been put out there. Like the names that are out there, I believe they've spoken to all those people. So whether it's Craig Conroy, Brad Pascal, Stan Bowman, Mark Hunter, Mike Fuda, uh, Brandon Pridham. And I think that you can add like 20 or 30 more names to that mix from what I understand. Like I've heard numbers ranging all the way up to like 35, 40, 45 names that they've talked to, depending on who you, I don't know what the exact number is, but you can add a ton more, like a number of handfuls more names that they've spoken to on top of the names that we've already heard or that have come out there through different insiders and different reports. So they definitely are doing their due diligence here, and they definitely are making sure they cast an extremely wide net. Now it's time to turn that wide net into a short list. Here's a little bit more from Elliot Friedman. Kind of backs up what we told you last week. Uh, a few more names in here from Elliot Friedman. And uh, some good news if you're on the higher internal bandwagon. This was Elliot with Jeff Merrick on Monday's 32 Thoughts, which is available wherever you get your podcasts right now. This is a little bit more on the Flames GM search from Elliot Friedman. Believe the Flames are headed into phase two of Operation GM, which is narrowing down the list and bringing some people in for interviews. I think some of the people they've talked to, I've heard Mark Bergevin's name. You know, I've mentioned Mark Hunter before that I thought he was going to at least be on their list. Another person I've wondered about is Ray Whitney. Uh, he has a history with Don Maloney, and I've kind of wondered about that. But one thing that a couple people warned me was, actually I shouldn't say warned, but they said made me aware of, is don't discount the internal candidates. You know, one of them obviously is Craig Conroy. I've also wondered about the possibility of Brad Pascal. And just someone said to me, don't discount that possibility. Don't guarantee it either. I don't think the Flames have decided, but don't discount the possibility. So that's kind of where we are with the Flames. If you're wondering why the uh, very nice, soothing music at the end, uh, if you are a regular 32 Thoughts listener, you will know that uh, there are musical interludes that, that serve as transitions to next topics uh, a couple times a podcast, and that was that was one of them. We didn't add that music on our end. That was uh, on the well-produced and uh, extremely popular 32 Thoughts, the latest of which is out with Elliot and Jeff Merrick, wherever you get your podcast on this Monday. Elliot throws a few more names into the mix, Ray Whitney, Mark Bergevin, so, so you can add a few more names to the list um, on top of everything that um, on top of everything that we've got and some of the other names that we've uh, heard. And this is for me, and I know that there are others who are on the other side of this conversation, and I even understand 
why there are some on the other side or lots or many on the other side of this conversation. But for me, I have nothing against any of the external candidate names that are out there. Um, I have nothing against the idea of, of hiring externally, but I still very much believe that hiring, um, hiring internally is the way to go here and, and hiring from within is the best way to go here. The Flames are not going to be blowing things up, and I don't think they'll be hiring a general manager who's going to come in and hit detonate on the TNT. This, from the very top, is believed to be a team that has potential that underachieved this past season. And, you know, um, I'm talking to my buddy Mick or talking to a number of the other regular texters that we've got on this program, and... I know that there is a feel that this team needs to blow it up and this team is not going to have ultimate success with the roster they've got right now. I get that. But fact of the matter is, um, they're not going to be blowing this thing up and they're not going to be going into full rebuild mode, at least not for next season. So in saying that and knowing that seems to be the, the directive right from the top, I think continuity and familiarity with the organization, with the city, with the players, with the processes, with the amateur and pro scouting staffs, with with the, the, these this group of players, all of that, I think that's a really important thing because the goal for next season is very clear. Organizationally, the goal for next year is without question to have a good chunk of these players. Now, it could not. it's not going to be all of them because there's UFAs that are going to walk and there's potential trades that are going to happen, whether it's moving a blue liner to open up some cap space to be able to target another forward in free agency, whether it's having a, an Elias Lindholm trade forced upon you because he's not willing to re-sign, things like that. They could all happen, but Huberto's not going anywhere. Condry's not going anywhere. Uyghur's not going anywhere. Markstrom's not going anywhere. Like they, they, this, this core group for the most Rasmus Anderson and Dylan Dubé and names like these guys are all going to be back for the most part next year. And I know that you can't guarantee that you never know exactly how things are going to go, but I would much rather have somebody. If that's going to be the goal, I would much rather have somebody who is fully, fully familiar with the organization and maybe has some new ideas or a different take than the prior GM did in Brad True Living. Because let's not forget, the Flames did not want to fire Brad True Living. That was not what happened. This was not the Flames going to Tree and saying, Brad, we're not renewing your contract. There was a contract offer on the table, and there were definitely some things that were not aligned when it comes to that contract offer. Obviously at the time, Daryl Sutter was a part of that conversation. I also think that we're talking about a contract that I don't, I don't know if it was enough to convince Brad to stay knowing that at the time there was a possibility that Daryl Sutter was going to be back for the next year, all of that type of stuff. I think Brad probably wanted a little bit longer on the term than was on the table. And so they end up going in their different ways. But they wanted to keep Brad. That contract wasn't on the table, and the Flames didn't believe that that was a throwaway contract. That contract was on the table to retain their general manager. So if they wanted to retain the GM, if they wanted to give him the opportunity to see through the new vision and the new direction the team was going in based on last summer and all of what went down... Again, 
They've been grooming Craig Conroy for a general manager's job for more than 12 years, since 2011. He's touched every part of the organization in those 12-plus years in management. And then think of the PR win. Just in and of itself, think of the PR win if Craig Conroy ends up being the name the general manager. On top of the fact that I really do believe it is a strong possibility that if Craig Conroy were to get the job, Jerome McGinley would join the organization in the not-so-distant future. So think of the PR win, which is not the only reason you should be hiring a general manager, but when you take into account the goodwill the guy has built up in the city, all of what he has done in the organization, the different things that he's touched, the different things that he's had success in, whether it be the draft, whether it be some of the contracts that he's been a part of, whether it be college and junior free agents. I mean, look, the things that Conroy has touched, been very successful in. So if you're gonna if you're if if you were going to want to keep Brad and if going forward organizationally the idea was going forward with Brad True Living, that doesn't work out. I don't know. If the idea is to be more competitive next year, I say stay internal and go with guys who were part of the staff. I don't think that a team that and this is my belief and others others disagree and we'll get into it on the text line momentarily. But if you're of the belief that this is a group that underachieved and was capable of more last year and could be capable of significantly more next year, I don't know if the, the whole thing needs to be completely blown up. And if the entire coaching staff and the entire management staff needs to be completely cleaned out. So that's why I lean internal. And I feel very much the same when it comes to BP and Brad Pascal because he's been doing the job running an American League team for nine seasons. Nine seasons, rather. He knows the organization inside and out, whether the team's been in Adirondack or Stockton, and now most recently in this city. There's been a lot of success with Brad Pascoe running the American League team. He's done a multitude of contracts and has a pretty firm grasp of what it's like building a team and putting together a team and working hand-in-hand with a head coach to build a team, so on and so forth. So I think that, and again, Talk about a guy who's been being groomed for Conroy's case more than 12 years and, and Pascal's case about nine years now. And we all know Brad's, uh, Brad's resume at Hockey Canada before that. So my point is that an internal hire makes way more sense. And it just feels like that is the best path to not have another year where you're dealing with all kinds of adjustments and you're dealing with all kinds of feeling out processes and getting the lay of the land. That was one of the biggest problems that this past season had that Huberdo and the, his new teammates and, and Daryl and Jonathan and Nazem Kadri and his new teammates and Daryl Sutter. There was this huge learning curve and adjustment period and getting the lay of the land. I think it's important to avoid that this year so that you can hit the ground running or at least give yourself a chance to hit the ground running, which they never really did last year. So I'm not saying external is bad, and sometimes I think going in a completely different direction is the way to go. Like when Brian Burke fired Jay Feaster and John Weisbrod in, what, December of 2013. Like to me, and, and, and Burke took over as the interim GM for the next six months or whatever it was, but to me, that was a perfect time to 
completely go in a different direction and bring in somebody and a management staff that's going to be building something new. I just don't see that situation. The circumstances make that very difficult to begin with. Circumstances were a little bit different back in January or December, rather, of 2013 when they made the last management change with this team. So they wanted Tree back. They didn't fire him. So why blow up the entire management staff? That's the way I look at it. And I, I really do believe. And, you know, you can poke fun at me for hosting a show called Flames Talk and say, of course I feel like that. Have at her. I don't care. But I do believe that this team... I believe this team underachieved this past season. I think they were significantly better than what we than what we saw. I don't know if they were as good as Vegas. I don't know if they were as good as Edmonton. I don't know if they were as good as Dallas. I don't know. But I know that they should have been a playoff team this year. And I don't believe my expectations or so many of my colleagues' expectations, whether it's at this station or other outlets, and the people that we all listen to and all hold their opinions in high esteem in this city and across the country and across the NHL, I don't believe that everybody was so completely off base on the expectations for the Flames that, you know, and and we saw it all so wrong. I do think that this was a team that was capable of more. Steinberg with you on Flames Talk. Text in just a second. But speaking of just that, A few Flames were talking about this past season overseas in Latvia over the weekend. Uh, Thanks to our Flames Talk family member, Flames Talk World Championship ace Aaron Vickers. He's in Latvia and sent back some stuff after Canada's 6-0 win to uh, open the tournament over the host Latvians. Since then, 5-2 win for Canada over Slovenia. Then Monday, a 2-1 shootout win over Slovakia. Six points in three games so far for Mackenzie Wieger. That'll... That'll do. Uh, Toffoli's got three helpers. And Milan Lucic had the game winner against Slovenia. He's got himself a goal. So just want to play a little bit of what A.V. Aaron Vickers sent back to us from Latvia. Um, And I want to start with Mackenzie Wieger. Had a really good conversation with him. Asked him uh, some important questions. And and even got into those comments from the Missing Curfew podcast that we heard last week. Where, you know, Wieger talked about how they needed a new head coach. And, you know, talked about the FU matches between Daryl Sutter and Michael Backlund. Uh, Let's listen to a little bit here from Mackenzie Wieger. As he spoke about this past season and all of the change we've seen so far this summer. When I've spoke to people about the season, it's just, it's weird because there's no reason why we, we shouldn't have been in playoffs, right? When you look at our dress and the players that we have, um, you know, it's, I've said it before, I thought it was just weird for everybody. It was just, it was just a weird feeling for everybody that year is, uh, with the trade and, um, you know, people getting adapted to the coach and to the city. Um, yeah, it was just, you know, getting to know the guys. I think a lot of guys, um, you know, are coming up on UFAs, and um, you know, I just don't know where people stand. And um, but we got, we should have put all that aside, and you know, played for each other at the end of the day. And um, you know, I think we just got caught up in a little bit of the distractions. Was everybody playing for each other? You mentioned yeah. needing to play for yeah. each other a bit more. Was that an issue in the room? No, I, you know, we. I mean, as hockey players, we always play for each other, but um, it was just we couldn't put games together. Like we were just yeah. losing games by one goal or. It just it, it felt like things just weren't going our way, kind of um, a little bit unlucky, out shooting teams, um, but it just came down to you know overtime losses, just just the littlest things kind of you know stopped us from getting in the playoffs. You did the 
missing curfew podcast yeah. and you said the coaching change needed yeah. to happen. Why did you feel that way? Um, I, when I said that, looking back, it's not that Daryl's a bad coach. Right. Uh, I think he's a great coach. He puts together a great game plan. I just think, um, you know, for our locker room, I think a change would just need to be made uh, to get us going, uh, get us going again. We needed just a new voice in the room, and uh, that's sort of why I said that we needed a coaching change. It had nothing to do with him being a bad coach. I think we just needed a different presence. I know you weren't around Calgary that long, but were you surprised when Tree and the Flames, I guess, mutually yeah. decided to, to yeah. disconnect? Yeah, that's another, you know, disappointment disappointment you know obviously tree um, you know I got to know him really well obviously with all the negotiations and whatnot he's a hell of a guy and he's a great GM it's just um, you know another guy I think that needed to go and move on and uh, you know he needed to change too I think so do you do guys need a clean slate there's gonna be a new coach new GM is that a overhyped media trope or is it really starting fresh and you can kind of breathe again yeah just a reset um, you know, maybe new systems or, um, yeah, just a new voice, maybe just um, help, maybe a different coach, you know, can help, you know, those little things that you were struggling with last year or, or whatnot. But um, I think just a, a nice reset for everybody is, is going to go a long way. What's on Mackenzie Weger's list of must-haves for a coach? Uh, uh, you know what? I, don't, I have no idea. I don't mind playing for any coach. I just, um, just a hard coach to, that uh, I don't I don't really know honestly like a coach to me is my boss so um, you know I just want to play hard for him and I want to respect him I want him to respect me and um, you know I'll, I'll play for anybody that's Mackenzie Weger who spoke with Aaron Vickers in Latvia over the weekend thanks to AV for sending that back for us and and allowing us to play it look at that flames talk fam worldwide baby um, and that really a few takeaways from listening to Mackenzie there First of all, talking about how a change was needed did not, you know, I think a lot of people took the missing curfew stuff that he said a little out of context because if you listen to the whole clip and the whole conversation about Daryl, he says very much the same things, but the first thing that you heard, and I believe that was recorded very shortly after the move was made, but the first thing that you heard when he said it was, well, I believe we needed to make a coaching change. And I think that was the first, that was kind of the headline quote, right? But I, I really like the context that he added to that, but it wasn't working and a change was still needed. And this was not all on Daryl Sutter, but that doesn't mean that the change shouldn't have made. I have been made. I think it's very clear that that change needed to be made. And the other takeaway is, is what we were just talking about. And that is the feeling internally with this group that they underachieved this year, that they let too many distractions get the better of them. And that's why I say, going back to my original point or one of my original points from five or ten minutes ago, avoid the whole learning curve, lay of the land adjustment thing that you had this past season. Because that was, whether whether you think it's an excuse or not, whether it should be a reason or not, it really was. And as such, if you can avoid as much of that as possible, and you've got Huberto back for a second season, and you've got Kadri back for a second season, you can hire a coach that comes in and fits the personality of your group. That's why I really think, even from a coaching standpoint, but especially from a GM standpoint, 
that an internal hire makes a lot of sense. Just want to play you one more uh, one more clip from Latvia. This was Milan Lucic who uh, spoke a little bit with AV Aaron Vickers in Latvia as well. It's one of those things you can't really control, especially when there's such high expectations. Especially, you know, uh, you know, it wasn't him that traded uh, Johnny and, and and Matthew. You know, uh, one left because. He had the right to being a UFA. The other one, you know, wasn't willing to sign a, a, a long-term deal. And, you know, look at him now. Things are working out pretty good for him. And if you ask me, I, mean, I thought I thought Brad did a really good job of, of making the most of the situation that he was put in. And after that, you know, it's 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 just like the, the bad luck and, and everything that could go wrong did go wrong for us. It's, I know it kind of sounds... Like poor me, shoulda, woulda, coulda, but like you just look at the numbers. Though T losses, the one goal losses, the one goal games, the post and out, uh, you know, all that type of stuff is just it's just unfortunate how how it's all all, all gone on. And even you know, and even with Daryl, you know, he's you know, he say what you want about him, but he was a great coach. You know, even if you break it, break our team down analy- analy- analytically, I think we were the seventh best team. You know, I think you were a third, and uh, of course he forwarded. Yeah, possession. So, like, you know, it was one of those things of everything that could go wrong, did go wrong, and it, it and it wasn't Tree, and it wasn't it wasn't Daryl. You know, it's just one of those things. So, yeah, it's just unfortunate that it's all happening the way that it has. So there's just a little bit more perspective from Milan Lucic with Team Canada in Latvia. Thanks again to Aaron Vickers for sending that back to us over the weekend. Let me read you a few texts. At 960-960. Robert in Vancouver writes, The only thing I have issue with in your argument about hiring internal is everything you're saying is about being competitive for next season. This organization needs to start thinking about the long term and have people making decisions with that in mind. They need someone in charge to think about the next five to eight years, not just next season. I agree completely, Robert, but I don't think... Craig Conroy or Brad Pascal is thinking about just next season. In fact, I know that for a fact. I've had enough conversations with those two gentlemen to, to know that their visions are beyond just this year or just next year. I can tell you that in, in certainty. And I know that, and, and let's also not forget that a general manager still has a boss to answer to and that uh, boss to answer to is kind of what the or the boss that they answer to rather is is truly who sets the direction of an organization uh this reads will this team be better next season yes are they good enough to win a cup no it's a sinking ship the flames are trying to fix with duct tape until this team is forced into a rebuild it'll be more of the same this says if the flames do hire conroy no point hiring a good coach that'll get fired to make room for iggy hire a sacrificial coach i I don't believe a Ginla for head coach. Or when I talk about a Ginla joining the organization, it ain't as a head coach. Uh, I think um, my where where I'm coming at it from, and what I believe is a stronger possibility is Jerome Ginla in management and and car- kind of part of the management staff, not as head coach. That's more where I'm coming at it from when it comes to Jerome. Um, this says this is a two- to three-year plan. Even the Miami Heat with LeBron didn't win it all in year one. They made the finals, but they didn't even make as many moves as the Flames. That's from Ethan and High River. Uh, that's to the don't blow things completely up side of things. Um, this says if uh, Ray Whitney gets hired, will Pink Whitney be sold at the Saddledome? 
different Whitney, Ray Whitney, the uh, former Florida Panther and the former Carolina Hurricane, um, Ryan Whitney, the former, I mean, both are actually, both Ryan and Ray Whitney are both former Edmonton Oilers, but uh, Ray Whitney is the late bloomer forward. Ryan Whitney um, is the guy on Spittin' Chicklets and the former Blue Liner. Uh, both very good players in their days. Um, but Ray Whitney more involved in management right now. Ryan Whitney with the boys on Spittin' Chicklets. So that, there, there's your differentiation. Um, what else we got here at 960? 960. Um, as head coach, I haven't heard Gerard Gallant's name come up yet. I think it has. But until they hire a GM... Head coaching names are going to be a little bit on the back burner for the next little bit. Okay, Steinberg along with you on this hour of Flames Talk. We're coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. They're your local experts for basement waterproofing, sump pumps, crawl spaces, foundation repair, and radon mitigation. They're all things basement-y. Visit dlbasementsystemscalgary.com. Hey, it's George Russick. And Matty Rose. We host The Big Show with Russick and Rose. If you miss us weekday mornings on Sportsnet 960 to fan, first of all, shame on you. Second of all, download the podcast on demand. So many places that you can find the podcast wherever you get your favorite. NHL, NFL, CFL, MLB, the stories that sports fans in Calgary want to hear. We got it for you. We are The Big Show. This is Flamestock. Join the conversation at 960-960. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Time to go inside hockey on this Monday for Calgary Co-op. The beer tastes better when it's bought from the place that cheers for your team. Visit your local Calgary Co-op Wine Spirits beer today. Inside hockey on this Monday edition of Flamestock featuring the voice of the Flames, Derek Wills, who joins us right now. Hello, Willsie. Hello, Pat. How we uh, how we doing on this Monday? I, I'm surprised that we got you in the home studio and not uh, just off the course. Well, I did play this morning. Oh, okay. But uh, yeah, wrapped up uh, about one thirty. So I've been just sitting here for three hours waiting for you to call as usual. Oh, I I am very so much. My, if there's one phone. if there's one thing that I am, it's very much on time all the time. Um, nope, not at all. Maybe the worst at it in the business. Let me uh, let me ask you this. Something that we were touching on, we, we heard a little bit. Uh, our buddy Aaron Vickers sent back some great stuff from Latvia over the weekend from Mackenzie Weger and Milan Lucic and just kind of talking about all the changes that we've seen this summer and, and the departures of a general manager and a head coach and all that type of stuff. You know, one of the main themes, and, and it's somewhat contentious on the text line, and I get it, but one of the main themes from both Milan, who may not be back next year, and Uyghur, who will be here for the next eight years, is the whole idea that this was a good team that underachieved this past year. I, I wonder, to, to what extent do you believe this was a team that, underachieved and was capable of significantly more this past year. Oh, I am all in on that. And it's something we talked about throughout the season. And I know that it was a different team than the one that won the Pacific division in a playoff series last season, but on paper, it looked like a team that could actually be better than that team because they added a top four defenseman in Mackenzie Weger. They, in a way, replaced 115-point player in Johnny Gaudreau with another 115-point player in Jonathan Huberdeau. And I wouldn't say that you know, Nazem Kadri was a replacement for Matthew Kachuk because they're different players, but 
it's not like you lost Matthew Kachuk and didn't bring in another top six forward to uh, play a different role, but uh, an equally as important or almost as equally as important a role. So uh, I thought this was a Flames team that could actually do some more damage in the playoffs, if, if not be as good in the regular season, but they didn't get there. And what we kept talking about down the stretch when the Flames were fighting with the Jets uh, for the second wildcard spot in the Western Conference is just get in. It feels like one of those years where if you get in, you can do some damage because unlike last season, when the Avalanche were clear favorites to win the Stanley Cup and did, I didn't think there was a clear favorite. Even the Bruins, who had the best regular season in NHL history, Something we talked about from time to time was the fact that they didn't face any adversity or they faced very little adversity during the regular season. And I think the the best example I could give of that was that game against the Flames at Scotiabank Saddledome, where the Flames probably should have won by five goals and lost. Yeah, It was just one of those seasons for the Flames, but also uh, on the opposite end of things, one of those seasons for the Bruins. So didn't, completely shocked me that they went out in the first round. I thought they would uh, have a tough time getting through two rounds, especially with the division that they played in this season. So I really do think that if the Flames had made it, and we'll never know, that they are a team that could have done some damage. And I think a good example of that is the Panthers. They were the number eight seed in the Eastern Conference. Some people might not realize this. I know you do, Pat, because we've talked about it. The Panthers actually finished the regular season with one last point than the Flames did. And now I think you could argue that they're the favorites to win it all. The last time I looked, and it's been a while, and you might be uh, more up on this than I am, but they were the betting favorites to win the Stanley Cup when I looked last week. So I really do think that uh, this Flames team underachieved. Uh, It's not all on the coach, but I do think that there is a a clear disconnect between Daryl Sutter and a number of his top players. And it was just one of those seasons where, you know, everything went right for the Bruins and almost everything went wrong for the Flames. So mm-hmm. I'm not saying they should take last year's team and run it back next year and expect completely different results. But I also think that <laughs> there were so many statistical anomalies last season, or I guess I should, should say this season for the Flames, that if you did run it back, I still think they'd be a playoff team next year. That's not the goal. You want to get into the playoffs and you want to make a run. But uh, I do think they underachieved big time this year, guys. So. And it's just it's just Pat today, so so oh. Pat. Um, that's okay. I figured I figured you're desperate and you called me. No, I wanted to talk to you today. Um, that that's that was the main reason you're giving me a hard time for not talking to you. So, oh, so thanks, let's talk. You're sweet. Um, and it's it's funny. A lot of different ways we could go, but you know, you, as 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 you're talking about that, another point that I I brought up that that's really important to me this year is the whole idea of eliminating as much as you can any of the getting the lay of the land, an adjustment period and learning curve that I think really did affect the Flames this year, whether it was Kadri or Huberdo or even Elias Lindholm trying to adjust to new line mates. Or it, it was it was one of those years. Noah Hannafin, I think, had different partners and there was adjustment and all that type of stuff. My point is, is that one of, not the only issue, but one of the issues the Flames faced this year was that because there was so much turnover and because there was so much turmoil last summer, you know, there, there was a, a lot of feeling out process this past year. And, and that's my argument for hiring internally for the general manager is that 
they didn't want to fire Brad for living, and they clearly believe that this team is better than what just happened this year. So if if that's the direction that they're going to continue to go in, maybe you should try to have some continuity and familiarity and and not completely gut the front office. And so when people talk about hiring Conroy as general manager or or Brad Pascal as general manager, that that's I get it and it's where I lie because I think eliminating any of that adjustment period is super important this year. I would agree with you. And I think the the biggest adjustment and the toughest adjustment was Jonathan Huberto going from Florida to Alberta and from the Panthers who played one style to the Flames who played the opposite style. And I know Mackenzie Weger came over in that trade for Matthew Kachuk as well, but plays a different position, plays a different style of hockey. And I think Mackenzie, who's been great at the World Championships for Canada so far, would tell you that it was even adjustment for him in the first half of the season. And he was brilliant. I think he was the Flames' best defenseman in the second half of the season. But that doesn't mean that there still wasn't an adjustment period for him. But uh, I can't imagine Jonathan Huberto struggling as much in 23-24 as he did in 22-23. So, uh, again, and it's something we talked about at the end of the season, Pat. If you get five or ten more points at the right time from Jonathan Huberto last season, you probably make the playoffs. And there are a bunch of different examples. If you get a few more saves at the right time from Jacob Markstrom or Dan Vladar, you probably make the playoffs. It's not like the Flames finished a mile out. So even though getting to the playoffs wasn't their goal, that was kind of their first goal is laid out by Daryl Sutter, get there and then go from there. This was a team that I thought really could do some damage. And even when I look at the teams that are left, Pat, it, it leaves a bitter taste in my mouth in the sense that the Seattle Kraken, when I look at them on paper and I compare them to the Calgary Flames, I think the Flames have a better roster. I think they have more talent. But things have worked for the Kraken. They found a way to finish top three in the Pacific Division yep. to get into the playoffs. And now they're a game away from getting to the Western Conference Final. Who saw that coming? And when the Flames were pushing for a playoff spot down the stretch, I was one of the many people saying, you know what? I wouldn't hate a first-round matchup with the Vegas Golden Knights. They look susceptible. Not sure if they have a number one goaltender. Not sure if Mark Stone's going to play it. If he does, how healthy he is. I like their defense. I don't love their forward group, although they get the job done. I, I mean, you look at the teams that are left, Pat, and... There's not a lot of star power. You know, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, arguably the best one-two punch in the league, got knocked out last night. And if you look at the teams that are still in the fight for the Stanley Cup, they're not teams that are built around one or two guys. And I heard so many people say, not only last season or this season, but, but for years now, you can't win the Stanley Cup without a star player. And of course, there are exceptions to every rule. I think the Blues back in 2019 would be an exception to that rule. But generally speaking, you do have to have kind of one superstar to win the Stanley Cup. I would argue that the the team with the most star-studded roster right now is the Panthers, who again finished eighth in the Eastern Conference. So it's about getting hot at the right time. It's about getting good goaltending winning the special teams battle, getting some luck along the way. And God knows the Flames didn't have a lot of that this season. So I I really do think that uh, there's going to be a bounce back from a number of Flames individually and from the team collectively. And that 
we might talk about them in the same way we're talking about the Kraken right now or the Panthers right now at this time next year, because I do think that they have the, the core pieces to be not only a playoff team, but a playoff team that if, if things go their way, could make some noise. But man, just watching this year's playoffs and all the upsets and reminding myself what it takes to win come the postseason. Again, it just leaves a better taste in my mouth about uh, right. the fact that the Flames didn't get in and didn't at least give themselves a chance this season. On the bright side, the Oilers are out now, so at least there's that. Yeah. Um, and, and you know what? Watching that game last night, they kind of got goldy last night. They did. And that's a cool story because uh, there's a Calgary tie in there. And I don't know if Aiden Hill is one, two, three, or four on their list uh, of goaltenders, uh, depending, I guess. I think they, they just, had, they, I think they just threw that list out, to be perfectly honest with you. Like, yeah, at this point, they, they have... have they just, whoever's the healthiest, you're in. Yeah, and it doesn't seem to matter. As long as they get adequate goaltending, and yeah, they needed more than that last night. Uh, it was so funny because they give up that early goal, the Oilers do, and then they score uh, two goals in their first two shots and don't score another goal for the rest of the game. I mean, what a bizarre hockey game that was. And I still wonder if Connor McDavid was 100%. And I, I said that in the first round. He, mm-hmm. he didn't quite look right. Yeah, he was his explosive self at times, but not as often as he usually is. But I guess you could also argue play it against two really good defensive teams uh, in the Kings and the Golden Knights. And Leon Dreisaitl, he looked like he had completely hit a wall in the last few games. And, you know, they ride those two guys hard, McDavid and Dreisaitl, all season long. And you wonder how much gas that leaves in their tanks. So it has just been it's been a bonkers season uh whoever wins the stanley cup at this point uh, will have done it as uh, an underdog of some sort and uh you know as as much as i have a bitter taste in my mouth from what happened with the flames last season it also gives me hope looking ahead to to next season because uh, i do think that uh uh, if things go their way this summer and they're able to retain some of the pending ufas that uh, are coming up next summer that this uh, could be a really good hockey team again it's funny, we're talking to Derek Wills, voice of the Flames with us here this hour on Flames Talk on a Monday. Um, it's it's funny because you talk about you talk about Edmonton, and and I think there's some understandable disappointment in that market because the way they played after the All-Star break and and the Hart Trophy season Connor McDavid had and, and all of what went into it, you know, a Calder Trophy season for Stuart Skinner, all of that type of stuff. I, I understand the frustration, and yet, and yet nobody has given the Vegas Golden Knights a single ounce of credit all year, it feels like. It's, uh, it, it's, it's, it's almost as if, well, they missed the playoffs last season, and they're, you know what, that, that's it, they're done, and that window is closed. Here they are in their fourth Western Conference final in six years of existence, and I believe that's three different head coaches who have taken them to, uh, to those four Western Conference finals. But all year, we talked about Winnipeg, as the example of, well, you can have a down year or Connor Hellebuck can have a down year and then you can bounce back. But I think that we learned that that was only temporary in Winnipeg. Like Rick Bonus replacing Paul Maurice and Dave Lowry, it worked and it seemed like things were harmonious for a little bit until the final third of the season in the playoffs when those old habits crept back in and Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler and, and all that type of stuff. You know, we were hearing about the same narratives 
in Winnipeg under bonus as we were hearing under the former coaching regime. So I don't know if that's the example that you want the Flames to be. I don't think you want the Flames to be good for two-thirds of the season and then have to limp into the playoffs and all of the same things we were talking about last year happening again next year. Is Vegas not the better example of what you'd like the Flames to be next year in that, okay, yeah, Vegas had injuries last year and underachieved last year, and there was a super long adjustment period for Jack Eichel and a significant trade made. Now, that was in season, but I I think there's some parallels there. And look what Vegas has done with a new head coach in in this this past 82 games plus. I just feel like if if you're looking for the high-end example of a team that underachieved to a large degree one year and then bounced back a whole lot closer to potential the next, I, I might feel like Vegas is a better example than Winnipeg. Yeah, I think it's a great example. Uh, the, the one comparison that I would draw with Winnipeg is Connor Hellebuck didn't have a very good year and then he had a very good year. So I think that was really the backbone for the Jets bouncing back, mm-hmm. at least during the regular season or most of the regular season. The Golden Knights, again, Robin Leonard didn't play a game this season, although I'm told that was probably a blessing in disguise for that team. But at the start of the year, I looked at their roster and I looked at their goaltenders and I thought, I think they have three number twos. Maybe they wound up having four number twos. Don't forget, Laurent Brassois, who was their starter before getting hurt, spent most of the year in the AHL. Yeah, I mean... For, for the Vegas Golden Knights to have done what they've done without a legitimate number one goaltender, it's really impressive. And I, I like that comparison for the Flames, Pat, because even though I think Jacob Markstrom has the ability to bounce back and become an elite number one guy again, there are no guarantees of that. But the Flames are a team that's built to, because they don't have that generational player, to roll four lines and roll three pairings and get good goaltending. And that's how they're going to win games. And really, I think that's why the Vegas Golden Knights have had success. Because, yeah, Jack Eichel is a star. Uh, Alex Petrangelo is a star. But beyond those two guys, they've just got a bunch of guys who go out there and they do their jobs. And uh, that's how they beat you. Kind of like the Bruins during the regular season. They just kept playing their game as long as they could. Pretty close to 60 minutes on most nights. And most teams would have spurts during games where they got away from playing the right way, and that's where the Bruins would jump on. They just played their game longer than their opponents did for the most part during the season. And until Matthew Kachuk and Sam Bennett and company got under their skin about halfway through their first-round series against the Panthers, they kind of looked like that team in the playoffs as well, despite the fact that they were banged up and missing some of their top guys. So I like that comparison from a Flames perspective, Pat, because – that's how the Flames are built. They don't have a generational player, but they've got a lot of good players. And at the start of the season, I thought they can roll four lines. They can roll three pairings. They've got a good goaltending tandem. And I think that's how they're going to win hockey games. But unfortunately, too many of their top players weren't consistent enough. And too many things went wrong and it just didn't work out. But it doesn't mean that that's the way it's going to be next year. The other thing that I think is important to talk about our expectations. The Flames over the years, and I know they have a different core group of players now than they did when they had Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Kachuk and Sam Bennett and Sean Monaghan and on and on and on. But that team didn't deal with expectations very well. You know, they'd have a good year and then expectations would rise and then they would have a bad year. And then it would be 
kind of just a, a cycle of that yep. for forever. That's how it felt. There, there were high expectations for them this year. And on the flip side, I would say that because the Golden Knights missed the playoffs last year, even though I think the biggest reason why they did was they were so banged up, expectations were a little bit lower. And I don't think they felt the weight of the world in their shoulders all season. They went out there, played hockey, won the Pacific Division, and now they've won two playoff series. So expectations will be lower next season. And I'm not sure that's a bad thing for the Flames. Actually, that's a good point. They seem, this group, now I know, as you mentioned, it's a different group. They seem to be uh, much different with lower expectations. There's no doubt yeah. about that. They um, have to change that if they want to become an elite team. Agreed. And that starts next season. Agreed. Yeah. You want to be an elite team, expectations come with the territory. There's no doubt about that. Yep. Uh, thanks for joining me today. We'll uh, talk again soon. As Flames Talk ain't going anywhere, so you just uh, have your phone at the ready. I will. Uh, and go Wranglers. And uh, looking forward to a, a big game seven tonight. Should be a lot of fun between Seattle and Dallas. Fascinated yeah. to see who Vegas is playing in round three and in the Western Conference Final. Enjoy, Willsie. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, have a great week. Derek Wills, the voice of the Flames, inside hockey on this Monday for Calgary Co-op. Calgary's is the only family of products curated for the taste of Calgarians, and you'll only find them at Calgary Co-op. As we start to wrap up this hour, producers Taylor and Cam, my name is Pat Steinberg. Thanks to Derek Wills for joining us, and uh, thank you for hanging out, whether on podcast or live right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. This has been the Sports Drive on a Monday. Brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Make patio setup easier for your staff with a key to like system just one key to lock all your padlocks and doors visit calgarylockandsafe.com